Hello, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, glad to be with you all today. First and foremost, I do have to say, I hope LPSS is listening. There is severe weather coming through tomorrow uh, at some point during the day. The kids are stressed. Teachers are stressed. It is testing season. Everybody's getting ready to do all of their testing, or they are currently in the process of testing. I feel for the safety and mental health of all, LPSS, go ahead and cancel school for tomorrow for the severe weather rolling through. It's, it's, it's just time. Give the kids a break. Anyway, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation, or send a message through the KPEL app chat. Would be glad to uh, converse with y'all there. I've got to go a little bit into the weeds on today's episode because there are some examples of government overreach that you need to be aware of that there's a there's a larger point to all of this that I think we're starting to see the last gasps of the activists in government realizing that people are really and truly coming for their power. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is an agency with no oversight. They're not even under the executive branch. They are just a government agency that exists. The president can appoint the next chairman when the current one resigns or or whatever, but they can't be fired. The agency exists in its own little bureaucracy, does not have outside control, does not have outside oversight. It is ostensibly there to protect you and me from predatory financial institutions and other, uh, other firms that are just acting dishonestly. It is supposed to be there to protect you and me. It is there, in fact to create as much regulation and oversight over the private sector as possible to give government yet another tendril, another set of claws into private business. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is an example of government overreach. And in fact, there have been uh, appeals court rulings. There have been federal court rulings saying this is this institution is unconstitutional. And the Democrats hold on to it. it is the brainchild of Elizabeth Warren, and it is uh, far and away one of the biggest threats now to your private data. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has been passing rules, proposing rules, proposing new guidelines that would give it more access to consumer and financial firm information. And Republicans have been voicing their concerns about this practice. Within, I think, the last three weeks, they just proposed a new rule on gathering more information from consumers. Well, just a few weeks after that rule passes, we've now been made aware of a major data breach at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And it's not outside hackers. This isn't, some, this isn't something where some hackers got in and stole a bunch of information. Somebody who worked at this agency, probably a progressive activist, somebody who worked at this agency took the private information of over a quarter million consumers and the, fin- and the information on 
dozens of financial firms or dozens of firms and emailed it from the government servers to a private email address. The CFPB has now come out and said that staffer no longer works for them. They are investigating the extent of the breach. But come on. You are gathering a ton of information you don't need. And you are using it in an unconstitutional way because the entire bureau, the entire agency is itself unconstitutional. It exists outside the framework of the Constitution, which no agency should. And now it is the subject of a major internal breach. Somebody from inside the agency emailed themselves the private information of 256,000 consumers. As well as 45 other institutions. Most of the consumer information comes from one institution, although there is information within that data for seven other institutions And the data of 45 separate institutions themselves. This is a massive, massive breach of data. And Republicans have been trying to shut down the CFPB because they know it is unconstitutional, that no government agency should exist outside the framework of the Constitution. And the fact, in fact, several of the executive branch bureaucracies that exist also exist barely toting the line. Of the Constitution. That's what the EPA versus West Virginia case this summer was about, was the fact that these executive branch agencies, these non-legislative agencies, are have taken it upon themselves to start essentially creating laws outside the scope of the powers that have been given to them by the legislative branch. The CFPB goes beyond that because they are not regulated, they are not part of the executive branch. They exist outside the framework of all three branches of government. They get to do what they want, and there's no oversight. And now you have this data breach. While most of the personal information, according to the Wall Street Journal, was tied to consumers at one institution, the emails included information on consumers from seven firms, according to a CFPB spokesman. The CFPB hasn't publicly identified the firms involved in the breach or the former employee who made the transfers. Agency officials notified lawmakers about the incident on March 21st, but they haven't discussed it publicly. The incident hasn't been previously reported. The CFPB hasn't said why the employee forwarded the data. The incident appears to be more limited in scope than some previous government data breaches, such as when hackers stole the records of more than 20 million people from the servers of the Office of Personnel Management as part of at least two cyber attacks in 2014. Top White House administration officials in the past have come under scrutiny for using personal email accounts for work. Republicans, like I said, have been very critical of the agency. Uh, House Financial Services Committee Chairman Patrick McHenry said the breach raises concerns with how the CFPB safeguards consumers' personally identifiable information Tim Scott, the top Republican on the Senate Banking Committee, said, why should the CFPB be trusted to collect more data, burdening financial institutions and potentially limiting services for consumers when they themselves have demonstrated an irresponsible handling of consumers' financial information? But wait, there's more. Because not only is the CFPB doing this, they are also going after an institution called Townstone, not because they have any issues or complaints from current consumers, 
but because the owner of Townstone made comments on a radio show. The CFPB, according to the Wall Street Journal, accuses Townstone owner Barry Sterner and others affiliated with the company of, quote, making statements that would discourage African-American prospective applicants from applying for mortgage loans. The suit, filed in 2020, doesn't provide any concrete examples of consumers that Townstone has allegedly mistreated. Rather, the CFPB points to a handful of statements Mr. Sterner and other company officials made over a four-year period on the Townstone Financial Show, a weekly program and podcast. These statements, according to the regulatory behemoth, discourage, quote, prospective applicants on the basis of race from deny- from applying for credit with no proof. They have no proof that Townstone has done this. But because somebody made comments about crime in Chicago on this radio show, on this podcast, the CFPB has now decided to go after that institution. For discriminating against African-Americans. This is government overreach. This is when government that has too much power that has been given to them by the legislative branch when Congress has delegated out powers for decades because they don't actually want to do the work of crafting laws and rules. The legislative branch has handed all of these powers away to government institutions. And this is the result. They can push the boundaries. They can push the line anytime they want to. So your personal information that the government collects from these financial institutions or whatever, that is now at risk. And God help you if you run a financial institution, that you run some uh, some institution that the CFPB monitors and you you exercise your First Amendment rights. God help you because they, they will now sue you for anything you say in the public space. This goes well beyond the CFPB has had a data breach. This goes to government overreach and the belief among these government agencies, I don't care who's in charge because there was a Republican, Mick Mulvaney, that Donald Trump put in charge of it, and it's still corrupt as hell. But the CFPB and these other government organizations, these bureaucrats, all feel that they are above the law because they are the ones crafting it. Why are they crafting it? Because Congress has handed authority over. And Congress desperately needs to bring that power back under its own roof. But Joe, do you really want Congress to do anything about it? No, I don't want Congress to make these rules. I want there to be political stalemate so half of this crap doesn't get passed on to us. That's the point. Gridlock is not a flaw in the system of government. It is a feature of the system of government. And there is no negotiation, there is no representing the will of the people when it's all being passed off to bureaucrats who write rules for the sake of writing rules. That's the problem right now. The problem is that nobody in Congress has ever wanted to do their job, and so they pass it off to government agencies, and those government agencies get a salary in order to find some way to pass a rule. That's the problem. And that problem needs to be fixed. Congress needs to get on it. 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take this break. When we come back, of course, your calls, your comments on the KPL app, on our phone line, whatever. Call in. Let me know what you think. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL.
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump to the phone lines now where we've got Fred. Fred, how are you today? I'm doing fine about yourself. I'm doing pretty good. What you got for me? I had a letter from my bank uh, indicating to me that uh, I can no longer withdraw more than six times in a quarter out of my savings account which I, I don't understand the motives behind the Fed. It is a Federal Reserve Board Regulation D. I don't know what the hell it means and its point. Yes, yeah, so, and, and I know that because we opened a savings account uh, a while back, and we were warned about Regulation D, uh, don't make excessive withdrawals, stuff like that. And I, I don't, I mean, I know that, it's it's the government writing a rule saying, hey, savings accounts are meant to save. Don't be withdrawing too much. But for them to pass a rule to reinforce behavior, again, like like I was saying, that is just the government making rules in order to justify their jobs. Well, my, the way I feel about it, I have a savings account to make payments on things in a later date, such mm-hmm. as my home insurance, my automobile insurance, uh, things of that nature. Uh, so I, I put money away, just, just like a Christmas club. We put money away, and at Christmas time we take it all out. It, it, it's my money, and I like the commercial. I'd like to use it when I have to. Right, it, and it, it's kind of it's kind of the inverse of that old J.G. Wentworth commercial. It's my money, and I want it now. I think you should have access to your money now. If if I recall, Regulation D was suspended by the Fed in October, but I think a lot of banks are still abiding by the rules right now, which I think is even worse. Like the Fed has scared them into following these rules, even though they've suspended that regulation. Okay, well, I, I understand. Uh... The Fed uh, suspended that regulation uh, at the uh, start of the COVID epidemic, yeah. and uh, they're just now uh, reinstating it. Are they? Okay. Because um, the last I remembered is that they had suspended it, but uh, I know that banks are still abiding by it, even if it was suspended. So, yeah, Fred, this is just um, – Again, it is a, it is a, it's an it's a it's overreach. It's a whole nanny state thing. I, I don't yeah. understand that you. We don't need to micromanage Americans' lives like that. And the other thing that bothers me, it's not a law. Congress, is, as far as I'm concerned, and and the uh, the government should not have has not uh, created the laws such as this. It's a, just a government regulation exactly. from a bureaucracy. Exactly. That is the thing that bothers me most, too, is that this does not go through the usual channels of of creating a law. This is the government making up rules without the legislative branch, which is supposed to be the one passing these laws and rules. Fred, thank you very much. We're up against the hard break. Appreciate the call. Your calls, 232-1542. If you want to be part of the program, when we come back, more on government overreach here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat. So do you have good credit? I, I, 
I'm not very good about checking my credit score, although I haven't. Uh, I, 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 every so often, I get an email from one of those those apps that tells you, "Hey, your credit your credit score is great. You qualify for all of these credit cards that'll inevitably drop your credit score because you spend too much, Joseph." So I think my credit score is pretty good. I don't know off the top of my head. But what I do know is that Biden is trying to make people who have a great credit score, they're, he's trying to punish them and trying to subsidize those who don't. This is a new rule coming from the Biden administration. Uh, my buddy Eric Erickson, who has a nationwide show uh, in the old Rush Limbaugh slot, uh, he wrote about this this morning at his Substack. From, let's see, the, the Federal Housing Finance Agency Director Sandra Thompson, a Biden appointee, said the fee changes will increase pricing support for purchase borrowers limited by income or by wealth. You're going to be subsidizing those who can't afford a new home. That's what she's saying there. See, here's what's happening. The Biden administration is going to charge federal fees for mortgages to people with credit scores over 680 in order to subsidize the housing costs of those with bad credit. So the Biden plan is inevitably this. The plan would cost $40 more a month on a $400,000 mortgage, and the higher the down payment you make, the more you will be charged. Now, in Louisiana depending on where you live, you're probably not going to come close to that $400,000 mortgage. Cost of living is substantially lower. But there are several places, including in the Midwest, largely Republican voters, where they do have to get a $400,000 mortgage for a new home. And there are places here in town, there are places around the state where it's the same thing. And it's not a super wealthy thing. We're talking middle class Americans because of of the neighborhoods that people want to move to, because of where they want to live. Those mortgages go up. The house notes go up. How much the house costs, the property costs, everything like that. All that is going up. If you want to build on a new place and you have to take out a loan for that, all of this is going to go up. And if you have a credit score above a certain uh, number, 680, you are going to be paying $40 or more a month. And that money is a federal charge, and that federal money is going to be used to subsidize those who can't otherwise afford a down payment, afford a loan, anything like that. I'm not against helping those who are less fortunate. There are too many of them in the country for us to ignore. But here's what's going to happen. You and I both know this is going to happen. There's going to be another economic crisis because a bunch of people will be getting subsidized when they can't actually afford the homes they want to buy. And there will be another housing bubble because a bunch of people will owe money they can't pay back even through the subsidies. And we're going to face another collapse. We're going to face another housing crisis. And, and we're also just, again, disincentivizing people from working 
to be able to build good credit. It takes a lot of effort to build good credit. And it's not just the poor who have bad credit. It's people who are idiots with their money. But the thing is, you are subsidizing bad behavior. You are disincentivizing people from working. You are disincentivizing from trying to fix their credit. You're putting an extra burden on the middle class. People with good credit are going to be punished for this. They're going to have to pay more. They are being punished for having good credit. Why have good credit if I'm going to be asked to pay more by the government? Screw that. Let my credit dip a little bit. I'll still have a high enough number to get a decent mortgage, but I don't have to pay these federal surcharges. But at the risk of creating another housing crisis, the Biden administration wants to pass another rule that will cost you and me more money in order to subsidize people who are otherwise disincentivized from working. This is more of that government overreach. This is the government trying to do too much. And yes, on the face of it, it sounds like a great thing. Absolutely, we need to go ahead and use what resources we have to help subsidize those who do not. Except it's not just the people who do not. It's the people who have done stupid things with their money. There are people with bad credit scores who should have great credit scores and should have a decent amount of money on hand, except they constantly squander. They constantly spend it away. And we're having to subsidize them? That's not right. It's not right to make the middle class bear that burden. And again, there is far more in the middle class than there are in the upper class of people who would have to pay for that. The rich, it's a drop in the bucket. For the middle class, it hurts a lot more. It adds a lot more. We're already facing an economic crisis where people are having to go uh, paycheck to paycheck in the middle class because prices are up, because things are more expensive, because it's once again getting harder to find homes. The inventory is low. It's harder to buy homes. And now on top of all that, they want to add an extra burden to the middle class just to subsidize the poor. But of course, because this will directly impact people who are largely of a minority group, you will be called racist for opposing it. I have gotten in trouble before for saying on the air, in the public space, at Red State, elsewhere, you have to understand that, yes, there are people who are are starting out in life way behind. You can say that everybody is equal in America, but the fact of the matter is you look at the statistics, you look at everything else, yes, White people, by and large, get an extra leg start in the race. And there should be ways of helping blacks and other minority groups with the issues that are, that are there in society that they need to be able to get out of the ruts that have been built into the system. That is absolutely unequivocally true. But at the same time, you cannot do so by putting an extra burden on everybody else. You cannot bring everybody else down. That's the whole problem with the equity and equality argument. Everybody's talking about equity right now when equity just chops the legs out from everybody and makes them all the same height when equality builds everybody else up.
Time and again, economically, it's been proven you want to help everybody do great, lower taxes, incentivize more local spending, get your tax base up through revenue rather than taxation. And you're going to be fine. Everybody will prosper that way. But putting more fees and more taxes and more burdens on some people to help others is not the way to do it. This is, again, more government overreach at a time when people cannot afford this new overreach. And we are all going to be stuck with a bill we cannot pay at the government level, the federal state level, and at the personal bank level. We will not have enough in our bank accounts to subsidize everything that the Democrats and big government want to incentivize, uh, want, want to... Uh, want to be able to, to pay, we, want, we aren't going to be able to afford all that. We, as a country, cannot continue to subsidize by placing burdens on the middle class. What happened to the Democratic Party, the party that was once representative of the working class and is now ruled by the rich white elites who look down on all this and look at all of their economic theories about subsidization and equity and all of these wonderful things that are wonderful feel-good terms and ideas, but constantly put burdens on the working class, on the middle class in order to make it happen. I go back to the whole electric vehicle thing. 4% of Americans own uh, electric vehicles. 67% of Americans don't want anything to do with electric vehicles. And the Biden administration is nonetheless trying to pass rules and regulations that will make 80% of the market electric vehicle in the next 30 years. I'm sorry, in the next decade. It's an unattainable goal. It is an unaffordable goal for the middle class. And yet that's what they're pushing for because they are more interested in their economic and environmental theory than they are actually invested in the prosperity of the working class. They've spent all this time talking about how uh, the past decades have eliminated the middle class and there's only the lower class and the upper class. We need to rebuild the middle class. They're doing everything they can to suppress the middle class by putting more expenses and burdens on them. And nickel and diming the middle class of everything they can to subsidize the lower class is not the way to do it. They talk a good game about taxing the rich. They're never going to do it because the rich are all their buddies. All the people in the boardrooms of the Fortune 500 companies, all those people are their allies. They're the ones who have lobbied for all the tax rules that allow them to skip out on the tax laws. They say they need to go after the rich for ducking. But they can have as complex a tax code as they want to nickel and dime you and me to pay for everything else they say they can pay for. This is mind-boggling. The, the party that was supposed to be of the middle class, that was supposed to be for the working class, is now nickel and diming everything they can. They are the sheriff of Nottingham. Government is Prince John wanting to tax the people of Nottingham. Take every bit of money away. In the cartoon Disney version, the Democrats have become the, the wolf sheriff who is beating the, leg, the broken leg of the blacksmith, getting every last gold coin they can. The tradesman is getting bled dry, while the rich are the ones benefiting from it all. 
please do not tell me that the Republicans are the party of big business trying to screw over the working class when the Democrats are passing every rule and regulation, regulation they can to nickel and dime and bleed us all dry. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, we're going to go ahead and take our final break. You can call, you can send a message to the KPL app chat. More on the way. Kevin McCarthy may not be caving after all, and in fact, it looks like the Republican Party might be united on the debt ceiling fight. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Got a message from a listener on the KPL app uh, from Brobridge saying, seems like communism is certainly not what America was founded on. I don't know if it is communism or not. Because in communism, at least the idea was that everybody was equal. It was it sought to eliminate the classes. This whatever's going on here specifically punishes all of the classes. Except for the poor except for the lowest class, the the people who are at the bottom. And again, nothing against them. And I think that we do need things to be able to help them, but not at the expense of those who are also struggling in the middle class. Anyway, 232-1542, if you want to call and be part of the conversation, or if you want to send a message through the KPL app chat, Kevin McCarthy, his Battle on the deadline. I'm very negative on Kevin McCarthy. You guys know that. You know my personal issues with Kevin McCarthy. I don't like the guy. But I do have to give him credit because the fight that he's having on the debt ceiling looks like one he is at least doing a very good job of pretending to be earnest about. To the point where the very reluctant moderates in the Senate... Moderate Republicans in the Senate actually seem to be on McCarthy's side as well. Even Mitt Romney is saying, assuming he uh, he's saying, I support the effort that Speaker McCarthy is undertaking. Susan Collins says she thinks that there will be a bipartisan deal on the debt ceiling, which means that there will be some sort of cuts in the budget. If the moderates in the Senate think that, then there may be something to it it may actually be the case. But let's not get over our skis here because there's still a long ways to go. McCarthy released a 300-page proposal that detailed a debt ceiling increase into next year as well as significant cuts. Now, the cuts were largely along conservative ideological lines. Don't know what we'll actually get out of that, but it's a starting point. The Biden administration, the Democrats have been saying, well, the Republicans haven't even put forward an idea yet. Neither of the Democrats, the Democrats have been saying clean debt ceiling. That's it. That's all they've had. Clean debt ceiling height. That's all they want. The Republicans have been saying, no, we need some cuts with it. And now there's a Republican plan out there. And privately, some moderate Democrats are sitting down with some moderate Republicans and saying, okay, let's see what cuts are acceptable. Because they know that Democrats in the long run will actually look bad if they don't come to any terms here. Why? Because the Republicans have nothing to lose. Republicans will be the bad guys no matter what. Either there will be awful draconian cuts that will hurt every American and cost them votes, or they'll be seen as having caved to Joe Biden. There's a no-win situation for the Republicans here, and they know that. But the Democrats 
if the government does default on its debt and if the government does go into some sort of crisis because Joe Biden didn't sit down and negotiate with the Republicans, that will look bad on Joe Biden at a time he's gearing up for reelection. And yeah, the Republicans may not come out looking great, but Joe Biden will come out not looking great either if there's a whole if there's a whole budget collapse because he's refusing to negotiate. People voted for Joe Biden because they saw him as somebody who could bridge the divide between the two parties. And if he's unwilling to do that, people will think in 2024, well, this is no different than the last guy. And that will end up being something that will definitely definitely hurt Joe Biden in the long run. All right, 232-1542. If you, I'm sorry, this is the outro bumper. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm going to be back in 23 hours, and then you can call 232-1522 if you want to be part of the conversation tomorrow. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or... You can email me, joe at redstate.com. Some of y'all are doing that. I am reading your emails. I don't always reply, but I am reading them. The podcast version of the show will be up in just a little bit on joecunninghamshow.substack.com or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Good news is I hear Hippie Hannah in the next room. She's going to be on with Shannon for Shannon is Offsides. That's coming up next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.